0: This is John Pascarella, assistant coach with Forward Madison. Welcome to the NDZ Podcast.
1: listening to new dogma z
0: hello and welcome to another new dogma audio situation it's ndz live episode 26 this is andrew i am here with grant and mitch how are you guys
1: doing well how are you
0: my head hurts (laughs) yeah uh we are recording virtually (laughs) i'll I'll be honest
1: mitch my head hurts too you and i both have been working right up to uh i think the moment of this this episode. So I looked yeah, at 20 minutes you.
2: ago, was like, oh crap, am I late for this? And I just was like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I should just open the stream yard and then just keep keep going. I, I I think I'm pretty much done for the day. I don't think there's anything else I'm gonna be able to do, but man. That,
1: so I was I was under like when you said this earlier about how you were gonna have to work through uh after the show, you're gonna have to work probably. Um I was thinking that was what was gonna be the case for me too. But I was able to get the paperwork done and submitted, so I'm good for the night.
0: You powered which through. Is nice, which is nice. So that's good. Uh, we have a guest uh, tonight who who is is a player for Ford Madison, all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. Well, technically he's in Madison. He's not he's not all the way down Auckland. Yeah, no tonight he anyway. He
1: doesn't live down there. I mean S-
0: yeah. Sam Brotherton, how are you?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys
0: yeah apologies uh we couldn't do this in person uh had I, I i my allergies are terrible right now to the point where I had to leave in the middle of the day because I felt like I was getting a headache from sneezing so much. so I thought, in case it's not allergies let's let's not you know make it so that Sam gets sick and can't travel uh to South Georgia of all places this weekend.
3: <laughs> That's very good of you yeah,
2: well, God, to go. Georgia
0: yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i was not at the game this weekend but M- mitch you were working the game grant you were also kind of working the game uh for ndz I mean, uh, but you're always, you're always you're always working as yeah you're always working the game as it were uh quote,
1: quote unquote
0: <laughs> yes um how was the game i mean mitch asked me before i joined uh how i was doing and i said uh, or if I was feeling better, and I said, "Yeah, a little bit," until I started watching uh, the highlights. Uh, how was the game?
1: Um, overall, I thought we played well. Um,
2: oh, we we played I, extremely well. I thought, yeah, I mean, I think I mean, we you know. played.
1: We we put in a great a great performance, actually. Um, this is one of those games where I mean, we keep coming around to it almost every week. And it feels like we're beating a dead horse, but um, the refs really, really did us in this game. And there was probably three or four goals that I don't know exactly why they weren't goals. Um, And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that this continues to be the case throughout uh, these games where the refs are ruining um, certain performances from teams. And it's not just us. It's not just us. There's other teams across the league that are experiencing this too, and this is a this is a problem that uh, is league wide. So,
2: we had an XG of 3.5. 3.50 to zero point five eight, and we lost. And honestly, we should have had at least three goals. I mean, we had three balls in the back of the net. I don't know what more you want.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I agree too. I I actually did really think that um, I rewatched most of the game on Sunday. I thought we played really well overall. It's difficult. You could tell like the the frustration was palpable at times from uh, guys in our team as far as just putting in the effort and not getting rewarded for it as far as goals on the score sheet were concerned. Um, uh, I thought, in particular that Jaden Onan played really well.
2: Uh,
0: I think he had his first team of the week performance uh, player of the week performance. We've only had what, like four of those like overall.
2: The league league reported that this was their that this is our fifth Fifth overall, which is one more than Lexington has this year. Um, Lexington (laughs) (laughs) who is currently in 10th place
0: interesting how that works. Uh funny. Yeah. <laughs> Some other notes from the game I found um just not not to, again to kind of stick to the ne- the sort of quasi I guess quasi negative I found it mostly uh just like confusing Jake Keegan's celebration after assisting that goal. Um like acting like he left a hero and now we hate him. Um I don't understand that at all. Uh, Like we were saying before the show started, there may be like a dozen people here that kind of know uh, his persona and his effect on the team in 2021, which was not good. Um, The fact that it's the, the strange incidental circumstances around him, not being able to travel to places that required COVID vaccinations uh, to play with the team. Funny how that works. Uh also Keegan. Yeah, also
2: traveling with the team.
0: Yeah, also fuck right off out of here. Cheat like knowing that your team is cheating to win and getting away with it, and you're celebrating that. Uh that's all I'll say about Jay Keegan because he is worth no more of our time tonight. Um on a very yeah, on a very positive (laughs) note, Nazim Bartman enters the record books officially the all-time leading scorer for the club with 11 goals, uh, beating Don Smart's previously held record. My question is, and maybe Sam, you can get in on this too, will he retain it through the end of the season? Because he's got both Derek and Cheney nipping at his heels.
1: I think um, I'm going to echo off of something that Mitch said uh, last week when you asked this question. Which is, you know, who was going to get it, and Mitch and I were both right that he was going to get it first. Um, he's rolling right now. I mean, he's he's been scoring, it, like like Mitch said, it took a while for him to get going, but now that he's going, he's been scoring um, a lot. And so, I don't think we've seen the end of Nazim scoring. Uh, I think he's going to get a, you know, Bay's going to bag three, four more by the end of the season, hopefully. Um, Again, that's not to take anything away from Derek and Chaney, who both have the ability to score. Um, and Chaney especially has the ability to score. I mean, like we said, Chain could have a two, three-game stretch where he scores six goals in three games. So um, we'll see what happens. But I think that uh, right now I would have to say that, yeah, Zemo is going to continue rolling with this. And I'll go to Mitch for what's up, what's next.
2: Yeah, he's got a four-goal lead. He's scored four goals in his last nine games. Um, I mean, he's he's rolling hot, you know, and it seems like it seems like when the ball is on his foot and he's in the box, good things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Chaney could catch him if he gets on a tear. I don't think Derek can catch him at this point. Um, so I think if I think if anyone's going to catch him, it's it's Chaney. Um, just because you never know what that man, you know, he uh, he could just. He That's could just, a great statement to say. Off. You
1: never know what that man. So.
2: <laughs> he could he could just go off. He could just go off. You know, like. But I mean, as as it stands, like, you know, Zema's got a four goal lead on on Cheney right now, and I think it looks pretty. It's good. gonna be it's gonna be an uphill climb, yeah. but uh, I think I think Chaney Cheney would relish that uh that opportunity to catch to catch Nazim. oh yeah <laughs> a little no healthy he
0: competition it, amongst the squad is is a good thing i feel like uh Absolutely. sam how about you i mean who's who's hottest in training right now as far as uh putting putting points on the board
3: uh yeah, well i guess the goals in, in training don't count unfortunately but um his, <laughs> like we were the guys that Zemo's had the hot hand recently um he's been in great form and listening to the numbers there i know we've got 10 games left um well, Cheney to outscore Zemo by, by four, I think Zemo is probably uh in in pole position, but but like you guys said, we, we don't know and know. And hopefully they both score a, a bucket load of goals between now and the end of the season. Um we can finish strong and yeah, we'll see. I know you guys mentioned the healthy competition, I'm sure they're uh yeah, talking to each other about it and giving each other a hard time. I know Ch- Cheney <laughs> will be nipping at his heels and um you giving him a hard time. So so we'll see. Hopefully it can uh, spur them both on.
1: So you're saying that like Cheney and Zemo like, like to talk and like to have competition amongst each other. Oh yeah. How
2: about that? Those two, those two mild mannered yeah. young men. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Real quick. Um, I mean, we, we, we should talk a little bit about some of the officiating. We're going to get to more of this actually this weekend. Um, uh, we, for our next episode, we are going to be chatting to a, a real-life local referee uh, who uh, who is also a Ford Madison supporter, knew some of the referees that was there on Saturday night. Um, but we just want to understand a different perspective. But like, as bad as the referees were on Saturday, we've got to talk a little bit about some of the decisions that they made. Um, I mean, I, I feel like within that first couple of minutes, right. Cheney is pulled down in the second minute by his Jersey in it. Like right on the edge of the center circle, he's pulled down by 400% English, Jordan Skelton, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who is the last man and pulls Cheney down in the center circle. Start of a breakaway. It's a hundred percent dogzo, but they don't even call a foul. I don't know if they're playing,
2: uh, if they called it advantage. They, they played advantage. They played advantage and gave Skelton the retroactive yellow. Okay. Which um, I, in dog so, and clearly. I don't know how you me. do that. A retroactive yellow for a dog If it's dog so, can you still play advantage and give a red after the fact? Because if that's the case, that's what should have happened there. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. We were, I mean, yeah.
2: I, mean I, I wasn't shocked to see advantage played. Honestly, I wasn't shocked to see a yellow either. And that's just I mean, that's just the state of officiating in this league. Right. right. You know, um, and, you know, I put out a tweet with with a picture of of it and certain staff with the team have <laughs> interacted with that tweet. Not, you know, every, everyone, you know, has been like on board. This is it, it is what it is. It is a it's denial of a scoring opportunity there's no question about it the fact that that it's two minutes into the game and we should be up 11 v 10 yeah Yeah. we aren't yeah
1: we should have had like 89 minutes or 88 minutes of 11 versus 10 i mean it's 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 clear as day um i don't know if the refs didn't call it because it like it happened just it was so quick in the game they're just thinking it's like you know i can't but the the way I said, that I've it's always not
2: even a U.S. because this happened in USL a couple months ago, where yeah. um, it was yeah. it was indie um, indie eleven had a player. I would say I it was an game, box, yeah. uh, By a Charleston Battery player, seventeen or eighteen seconds into the game. Uh, this was a couple months ago, and it was it was red card, dog so penalty. Yep, but we don't get the same.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll, we'll come back to that because I thought our old friend Kuba Kershastaniak actually had some, some good insights on that. we'll talk a bit about that in a minute, but we had two disallowed goals within less than 30 seconds uh, in the 21st minute. Um, well, yeah. So an offside call uh, or, or a foul, I, I couldn't quite figure it out. And neither could the commentator uh, on, on Morrow's uh, near goal that was called a uh, called off. But it looked like they flagged it offside or that that was the call. But also, you see the ref blowing the whistle before the play even stops, before the goal even goes. So, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I thought maybe uh, Nazim's uh, like 50 50 going for the header in the air was called a foul on Nazim. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, if it, if, it, if it was an offside call, he was. The forward most players played on side by two defenders, and then less than thirty seconds later, they they called off and they called off a goal from an offside call when Aiden Messias backpassed back passed it to Cheney in front of goal, and Cheney's flagged offside. I'll repeat that: a back pass in front of goal, and the only time a back pass can result in an offside call is if the receiving player is in an offside position.
2: Ie in front of the ball when it's played. And Aiden was on like the end line, wasn't he? Right. It was yeah. so, it was like it, it wasn't. It was, close. It yeah. was And then close. that
1: that led to they went right down and scored on a corner. Like it's so.
2: it's it's a severe misapplication of the rules. It's like calling yeah. offside on a throw-in. Like yeah. if you're a yeah. referee, you can't call that. It's it that is the kind of thing that should get you fired. Legitimately, if I fucked up at my job that badly, I'd be gone. Legitimately. Yeah. Well, why are they held to different standards?
1: Because, because they, they don't this, have anybody.
2: That's just why. A, this isn't just a minor. <laughs> mi- this isn't. This isn't well, a. This isn't a judgment call. This isn't a. No. You know, like I, oh, you know, like maybe maybe we missed. It's so clear to four thousand people in the stadium to everyone at home and you're the AR and you're missing this. The yeah. AR whose job it is to be on the line looking at this, right? And you don't even have to be on the line because the ball is coming from the end line.
1: I think I think that's I think that was pretty indicative throughout the game though. Is that like the ARs and the on-field referee were not in, in sync. sync with each other? Yeah. They were not communicating, they were not talking with each other. They were not they just I don't know if it's just a crew that was new working with each other or just think or what it I a lot it was, of it's it, new every time, it, you know. Yeah, I mean, but it, it was pretty clear that these guys were not on the same page.
2: And if that's the and case. not I, don't, I case.
1: don't know where they got these ARs from, but there was numerous times, even in times that didn't relate in goals where people were fouled or something like that, and the ARs didn't make a call, and the ref had to make the call. And so yeah. the ARs, I think, were – the ARs were especially bad. Where They were especially bad. So,
0: you know, what I thought was interesting was after that second one that was waved off, the commentator said, looks like this is another one in the favor of one Knoxville. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's bad when like the, re- the commentator is saying stuff about it, you know, these,
2: these aren't, this isn't even a Homer commentator. This is some random right. commentator that Vista has pulled out of their, you know, their extreme bag of, of random soccer commentators that they have. Uh, as sort of an
0: aside, before we talk a little bit about Kuba's take on Twitter, um, it's it's a little frustrating to me, and I guess it's not super like surprising, but like none of the Knoxville players said anything, either in person or on social media. Pretty disappointing. But the league and pro referees are both silent about it. And, I mean, it's getting to the point where it's a bit untenable. Um and I'm hoping that the club... I haven't heard anything concrete, but I'm hoping that the club uh, brass are complaining about it, lodging a complaint officially about those calls. I mean, we're at the point where... And, and maybe this is a good segue to talk about Cuba's take on Twitter. Um, but essentially, I'll just read it out. He said, yeah, um, can I say something real quick yeah, yeah,
2: before, before we do that? I just want to say that, the, that Pro and the league... Have become really, really opaque as to how they have been uh um like talking about decisions that they've made in terms of referee decisions um in previous years uh if there was a suspension or something like that or a uh um a rescinding of a car of a red card or anything like that, the league would announce it the following week during the week yeah. In this case, we actually had this happen. Angelo Kelly Rosales for 1 Knoxville uh was given a red card last week, should have been suspended for our game against Knoxville on Saturday and was not. And that was something I immediately noticed as soon as the lineups went out and I talked to I talked to Evan Evan called um Evan called Keith and Keith was like, "Yeah, he just got uh like Literally just received word that he's being um, that that his card is being rescinded, which a that's ridiculous for for forward because you're planning a game you're right. planning a game around him not being there for an entire week
0: right and that's Dude. ridiculous
2: number two and this is this is the most it's just. When has the league ever rescinded a double yellow which is what it was right. for for Angelo Kelly? I have never seen that. I've never seen a rescinding of a double yellow. Straight red, yes. Double yellow, no. So this is mm. I I don't understand why the league rescinded it and it, even even if they are rescinding it, why are you doing it literally 5 to 10 minutes before the game before lineups are supposed to be in? Yeah. That is Insane to me.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 a mystery to me. Uh, again, what you're saying, Mitch, about it being opaque and just the the review process, and uh, maybe that's on purpose so that we don't know about it.
2: But it used I, to and be I, good in yeah. 2019. In 2019, it was great. I don't know what happened in the last four or five years where yeah. it got this bad.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I do think it's interesting though what Kuba said about uh, he kind of says especially like um, he thinks it comes down to inexperienced refs in an environment that they're not being prepped for. Um, he says the the Knoxville games in particular was painful as Ford Madison should be facing ten men and up two nil in the first quarter of the match. Instead, we end up losing to one with completely botched decisions during. Uh, at least two moments in particular. This has been an ongoing theme at Bree Stevens since you're one of this club refs who are working their way up the officiating ladder, are getting these matches and likely working in front of a crowd of 4,000 plus, which they're not used to. They're likely worried about appearing to favor the home team or the crowd. And the refs at these home matches are trying to avoid any accusations of bias, maybe subconsciously by attempting to err on the side of caution and the away team. Solution, we know VAR is not an option nor any other sort of review system. But amazing, experienced officials are also not going to appear out of thin air to take on third division games. Uh, Pro and USL1 have to do better on simple training uh, regarding subconscious home field bias in matches. Players, fans, and coaches all deserve better. And I know refs are bad across the board, but Bree Stevens just always stands out to me as particularly awful performances.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that what he's talking about, too, is you know, it's it's a common problem, I think, that exists when you have a very hard job that doesn't pay very well. Right. Um, I see that in my industry. You know, there are a lot of people that take these jobs and, you know, and have these jobs that aren't prepared for, you know, the things that they're about to see. And... For someone like me, it's, it's, it's great because I have a lot of experience and I'm able to, you know, but and I think it, it works well. It's, it's the same analogy in the, the refereeing world where you have a lot of guys that are just, they're not prepared for what they're going to see. And like I mentioned to yeah. us today, I think a lot of these guys have never been trained in how to deal with a crowd. And they think that by tossing a bunch of cards around and doing this, you're going to control the crowd when by doing that you're going to do the exact opposite you're gonna you're gonna you're you're gonna not only lose the crowd but you're gonna lose the game you know you're gonna lose control of the game and so um it all comes down to training for me and Coop is right that i think that you know i've counted at least six to eight points that we probably should have that have been taken away because of referee decisions so yeah
2: but i mean at I mean, we had what the the Greenville game earlier this year in Greenville. That was that was one point that we lost. You know, that should have been plus one for us, minus two for Greenville, and that you know that changed the playoff picture right there. Like you look at it right now, Greenville sitting in sixth place. You know, they'd still be in sixth place, but instead of being four points clear of the line, they're two points clear. And
1: and, and and I mentioned this earlier, like when Andrew you asked about about the game. I hate the fact that we have to talk about this. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be the broken record talking about you know the refs every game and everything like that, but it's it is every fucking game. It's every fucking fucking game. I had someone walk
2: up to me and ask me what I thought that the problem what happened with the game was, and I was like, it's the referees. He's like, I don't want to blame the referees. It was, you know, we had poor finishing, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, we finished two goals that the referees took away. It's yeah. the rest. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'll agree. Uh, Sam, you've been very patient with us and silently nodding yeah, your thank head. thank you, Sam. are we <laughs> just sitting here. And we appreciate yeah, he it. Really, thank you. He wasn't
2: nodding his head. He was looking. He was looking at the screen nondescriptly, not agreeing or disagreeing oh, with anything, oh, as sorry. to not uh, not show any sort of bias or, or yeah, against the ruling. Correct.
0: Uh, correct. We will get right into our interview. Sam was stoic. We'll say that. Yeah, he's very, you know, you don't get to uh, play for Sunderland AFC without uh, some stoicism. Uh, We'll get into that uh, and other uh, Sam Brotherton stats very shortly. Um, So we'll get right into the questions, actually. So Sam, you played in Madison now for two very different teams. Mm -hmm. badgers in 15 and 16 and now forward madison is this city a special place for you
3: yeah definitely i mean excuse me um yeah i guess i grew up in new zealand um, until i was 18 years old and then madison was kind of the first port of call on what's become quite an adventure um yeah i think i'll always be a badger i'm hoping to be a a proper alumni of the the university uh, before too long here and yeah, I guess getting the opportunity to come back to Madison and, and play professionally also um, and up being somewhere I've played kind of collegiately and professionally now yet yeah, always kind of be a special spot for me.
0: Um, yeah, you grew up, you mentioned you grew up in Auckland in New Zealand. What was your upbringing like and, and when did you break into playing football?
3: Um, yeah, I had a great upbringing, um, started playing football pretty young when I was, I was five or six years old, I think, but played all sorts of sports growing up. He um, was always outside kind of having fun and, and running around and, um, yeah, kind of probably started to really seriously focus on football more when I was like 15 years old. Um, it's kind of when I, so water polo was my, my second sport that I played kind of um, took, took the furthest, I suppose, apart from, from footy and then, yeah, around 15 years old, kind of just started to focus on on football solely.
1: Soccer, football, whatever. So Sam, um, we mentioned that you played for the Badgers, mm-hmm. but before that, you played for the for Wanderers Special Club, where you scored your first top flight goal. Um, yeah. What was it like playing for the Wanderers, um, with it being, you know, at the time a first division side in the North Auckland suburbs? <laughs>
3: yeah. You've been doing some research, Grant. Um,
1: Uh, It's Andrew doing the research. I'm just reading uh, the questions. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, I got to give credit where credit's due. I've been, like I said, I've been way too busy with work. So it's all Andrew. I'm just providing the voice. So,
3: no, it's cool. Um, Yeah. So the Wanderers were, yeah, it is a special club. So they were kind of formed. um, The Under 20 World Cup was in New Zealand in 2015. And so New Zealand football created Wanderers. to compete in the National League kind of for the few years prior to that, I guess as like build up, they obviously wanted to have a competitive team in, in a home World Cup. So um, yeah, I played for them, I think for for a season and yeah, the New Zealand's kind of um, top division. So yeah, that was great. Um, it was made up of all players who are under 20 and kind of eligible for, for the World Cup. So um, it was a really cool experience, I guess playing top flight footy with um, my peers who were all the same age. Um, and yeah, like really, I guess good for my development playing in the in the top division in New Zealand and playing against men um, at a pretty young age.
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up uh, a team that that Mitch is uh, fairly familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during college, you also played for uh, Des Moines for the Menace yep. mm-hmm. uh, in the then USL PDL. Mm -hmm. and won the regular season heartland division with them making it to the central conference finals. What was it like playing Des Moines?
3: Yeah, my time in Des Moines was, was pretty short. I was only there for half a summer or so, but, but really enjoyed it. We we had a a good team, a a lot of good players. And I guess it was my only experience playing in kind of what was then the PDL. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. We had a pretty successful, um, Summer and kind of good preparation going back into the the college season. Obviously, the college season is, is super short, so kind of right. good to get some games in and, and build up some mm-hmm. fitness over the summer. Um, yeah, I had a few few other Badger teammates who were there with me, so we yeah we enjoyed it.
2: I don't know why you think that I'm very well uh, acquainted with Des Moines because I have family in Iowa, like four maybe. hours away, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> where, like, where, where where in Iowa do you have family, Mitch? Davenport, a
1: yeah, little dude, bit, a little the, bit the, like, like Andrew. That's and that's, that's completely across it's, the state, it is <laughs> the opposite <laughs>
2: side of the state. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I just assume because you, you you have been known to attend DeKalb games once in a while, correct? That's true,
2: but I grew up there, so yeah, that is true. That's a little bit different. I the suppose. thing I the
1: thing I want to ask though, Mitch, is, or, is And the thing I want to ask Sam is you were averaging like around like 2,900 fans, like a year, like when you guys were in Des Moines. I mean, for PDL, that's a lot. So what, you know, was that like, was that one of your first environments here? Like, cause even playing at Wisconsin, you and I both know, like, you know, the fans don't show up, you know, and you know, it's like, was that like one of your first experiences with playing in front of, like, outside of, like, us, you know, playing in front of, like, a lot of fans?
3: Um, probably not. Like I mentioned, the Under-20 World Cup. Um, a little yeah, yeah. Some some pretty big kind of fans. Um, yeah, tens of thousands of people come out and watch us in New Zealand then. So that was kind of my first exposure to playing in front of a, a big crowd, which was, was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, you mentioned kind of the Des Moines fan base and, not sure for whatever reason they seem to do a, a really good job there and um kind of connecting with the community and um yeah it's always i guess been kind of recognized as one of the premier pdl clubs um so yeah, it was a great great stop and great team to play for i think they're actually joining the championship or league one before too long so yeah um, they've obviously people are kind of taking notice of what they're doing there so yeah it's cool
0: i gotta ask so uh, re reading through some of your history as a, as a mm-hmm. player, did you leave college early to join Sunderland?
3: Yeah, so I left after my sophomore season.
1: I was gonna okay. say, like, I thought you were a sophomore when you left. So yeah,
2: he did. He did kind of allude to that earlier, mentioning that yeah. he was hoping to finish his education here before too long.
1: How close to finishing your degree are you, Sam?
3: Uh, I have six credits left on the table.
1: So oh, dude, cards. that's easy. That's that's easy. You can it, like
3: yeah yeah so i did a lot of stuff online um in between kind of leaving to go to sunderland and and coming back to madison but uh yeah there were some classes that that weren't available online so um yeah heading back to to school in the fall to finish up and and graduate which i'm I'm excited about
2: is that part of the reason you came back here yeah it was definitely effective for sure
1: so you'll graduate in the winter of 2024 with a degree from the university of wisconsin or uh, 2023, winter 2023. 2023. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So it's supposed to be in the class of 2019. Didn't didn't quite make it in time, but um, yeah, getting getting there eventually. Cool.
1: What are you going to have a degree in?
3: I will have a degree in finance, investment, and banking. Nice,
0: nice. Yeah. Um. So I'm. In an, i I had this question later, but since we're yeah. talking about it, um. So you're you're married, right? You have a girlfriend, or uh, are you married? Recently
3: engaged. Yeah. Not, oh, not married nice! Yet. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank Congrats. you. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Um, you talked about wanting to finish your degree. Or, your degree. What co- what comes after you you hang up your boots?
3: Uh, yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, it's really hard to say, having kind of not have any experience. I mean, ever since I, I left, I've you've yeah, been playing football. Um, I guess. Having my education in finance, I'm definitely interested in that field. And I guess having the experience that I've had in sports, I love like working with people and interacting with people. So um, some sort of ideas that I have are more of like a, a client-facing finance role, such as like a financial advisor or, or working in wealth management, something like that. But um, yeah, time will tell. Um, yeah, I guess that's something to, to look forward to in the future when I do decide that um, it's time to stop playing. And yeah, I'm excited about that kind of one day, um, but it's definitely going to be yeah. a challenge um, to figure out yeah what that kind of career is going to be and, and what it's going to look like and um, make my way in sort of a different world.
0: Yeah. That's for future Sam to figure out.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not, not today's problem.
0: Right. Um, so yeah, so you're, you, you finish up, so did you get th- all the way through your sophomore season? Because I know it's like sort of the day that you were announced as, as signed by Sunderland yeah. was on February 1st. It had to be like down to the wire end of the, the January transfer window. Though, Do they, do they have that for – because you kind of joined to play for the reserve team, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So I signed and um, played with the under-23 team reserve team. Um, yeah, I, I was – Kind of getting uh close to the to the why there were the, the transfer window so um yeah did sign at the end of january i guess finished up sophomore season kind of uh yeah late december or sophomore second semester of sophomore year yeah in december mm-hmm. and then went over to the uk um went on trial with sunderland and um yeah kind of signed the contract in in very late january
0: cool um so that that state you signed for a year and a half. It sounded like anyway, from what I could gather. And, um, you, you played for their U23 squad or in the, when they were in the middle of their first series recording of Sunderland till I die, uh, I have to, I have to ask if if the cameras came around to the reserve team at all.
3: Yeah, definitely. They actually took us out on like, uh, we went to a bowling alley and did like a, a team outing, but I guess they never used any of the footage. Um, it was obviously primarily focused on the, the first team, which is, is no surprise, but uh, yeah, they were very present in the training ground. Like there were GoPros everywhere and obviously they were super active in, in getting content. Um, I don't think the plan for the, the production was quite what transpired. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Explain uh, that, Sam. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for those who don't know, Sunderland kind of suffered back-to-back relegations. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it couldn't, couldn't get much worse than that. But, uh, yeah, I think what the documentary did do a really good job of was kind of capture the, the passion that people in the Northeast of England have for, for their football. Um, very yeah. much part and parcel of their livelihood in, in the city. Um, and that was something that was really cool to kind of experience. Um, you go to the stadium light watching the games and kind of being in the training ground and in and around it, um, yeah, you realize how, how important it is, is to them. And, uh, yes, yeah, just, they're so passionate and they live and die by it.
1: And, I, and I say this too, Sam, to people that haven't been there, but the stadium of light is still like, it's one of my favorite stadiums. Like, yeah. I mean, it's called the stadium of light for a reason. So,
3: yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's super loud, which I think is, um, yeah. great for any yeah. stadium. The, fan,
1: the fans yeah. are right on you. The whole yeah.
3: Retain, retain yeah. noise well. So, yeah, obviously, when I first went over, the, the team were in the Premier League, so kind of just even going and getting an opportunity to watch those games um, and be in the building with a Premier League team was was pretty surreal experience, especially just having come out of college. Um, so, yeah, really cool opportunity.
1: What was the best game you saw at the Stadium of Light? Oh,
3: uh, that's a tough question. I don't have a good answer for that. But, um, yeah, there was some some obviously just like Incredible uh, quality and caliber of players, uh, Premier League players playing there. So, yeah, it was just cool to watch them up close and personal, I guess.
0: So, I got to ask, like, I mean, obviously, as a Sunderland fan, like, mm-hmm. I'm not a Sunderland fan, but, like, watching that, like, as a, as a football fan, like, th- is heartbreaking to watch, like, the, the two consecutive <laughs> seasons of that and have it just get worse and worse. Uh, but the team's relegation after that first season uh, is a bit famous now just because of the TV series. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I think the fallout from it can't be understated. Um, do you think, because there's a, there's a lot of like this on ongoing discourse there has been for years about uh, from Americans who are proponents of promotion relegation. Do you think that, they understand the financial and other implications for when a club is relegated.
3: Uh, I, I don't know, I guess. Um, yeah, I would have to say it's obviously very, very complex. Um, in terms of, I know, like, even from a player's perspective, I think, um, yeah, for a lot of players, they would lose 40% of their wages um, from relegation, and mm-hmm. then yeah, just like even a club financially um there's obviously a huge amount of implications for people who who work within the club um all that sort of stuff so it's definitely not something to be taken taken lightly lightly um with the the financial side of it and obviously that impacts people's livelihoods but uh yeah i think there is something from the competitive side of it that does make it a little more meaningful
1: maybe how did it impact you sam like personally when they were like dropping uh, down and like, you know, you had to like try to evaluate things.
3: Yeah, I guess honestly, when they dropped down, I was probably hopeful that would potentially lead to more opportunities for myself. Um, so in some ways saw it as a good thing. Obviously, I think what I probably didn't appreciate before I went over to Sunderland was the, the gap, the the jump to transition from that kind of under twenty-three football, um reserve team football to playing as a, a fully fledged first team player. Um so yeah, I guess doing that in the Championship or League One is going to be easier than in the Premier League. So I had hoped that, yeah, that would kind of lead to, to more opportunities for myself. Um, it didn't particularly, but I think the other kind of side of that coin is that the um, the kind of the turnover at the club, obviously, I was signed, um, yeah, with a manager for the under-23s and David Moyes was the first team manager at the time. Neither of them lasted very long um, kind of during my time there. So yeah, the constant chopping and changing of, of managers and things, um, which obviously, um, happens when teams are unsuccessful and and get relegated, um, definitely didn't, didn't help things.
0: Yeah. So after Sunderland, he comes stateside, Mm -hmm. uh, signing for North Carolina FC of all teams. And they were in the championship at the time, um, Mm -hmm. playing under Dave Sarhan, um, what precipitated that move, and what was your time like there?
3: I suppose um, my second year at Sunderland, I it was an age when I kind of needed to be playing first-team football, and as I mentioned, um, hadn't got those opportunities at Sunderland. So I actually went out on loan to a team called uh, Blythe Spartans. They played in the National League North um, in England. But the first games, so this is, I guess, essentially what – what we call a non-league football. Um, yeah, went out alone there the first game. The kind of left back dropped a, a ball back to me. Um, the strike, it came through. Yeah, studs over the ball right down my leg. I've, I've still got the scar to show it. Um, no foul, play on, and I kind of hobbled around till halftime, but uh, yeah, ended up with a decent knee injury. Did my, like, PCL on the back of my knee. Um, yeah, normally at that time, just kind of went back to Sunderland and and wasn't really happy and, um, was kind of ready for a a new challenge and and to move on. So yeah, kind of came to an agreement to end my time at Sunderland. And yeah, my agent had a connection with, with Dave Sarakin, um, who had just kind of taken over at at North Carolina at the time and was interested in bringing me in. So, um, yeah, just saw it as an opportunity to kind of get back to, to the States where I was, um, you yeah, kind of familiar with and, and had a network and established a bit of a, bit of a reputation. So, um, yeah, that came about and yeah, really enjoyed my, my time in North Carolina.
1: So Sam, what do you make about their, you know, they've been in, in USL one for the last mm-hmm. few seasons here. What do you make about their move back up into the championship?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's great for, for North Carolina. Um, I think, yeah, having played for them in the championship, I think that it's a championship caliber club, especially the the facilities there are amazing. Um, yeah, I think they could definitely have a better kind of uh, turnout in terms of like getting fans, um, bums in seats, and hopefully maybe the championship will, will help with that. But uh, yeah, it's a, a great club with great facilities. And I mean, especially this year, they've been competitive in league one. so. Uh, I'm sure they're looking forward to getting back to the, the championship.
2: Finally competitive in league one. And they're just like, see ya suckers. Yeah. The, la- the last two seasons, yeah. they, they joined in 2021 in the last. Yeah, season, no, I, I uh, can see that. you yeah. were not good. They were dead last. Yeah.
0: Perfect. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. We mentioned Dave Sarakan. uh, did you know that he is currently coaching at Mojave Tel Aviv in Israel? Uh, no. and, yeah, I no idea
1: about
0: that. He's an assistant to of all people, Robbie Keane head coach.
3: Oh wow. They must have uh over at the, the galaxy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh guess Grant, guess who is uh, other assistant head coaches besides Dave? Uh the the king of the throw in Rory Delop.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, yeah.
3: <laughs> Rory what a crazy DeLop. unreal. Yeah
1: jesus christ
0: yeah legend has it that rory de can actually do a throw in uh the full length of a football pitch
1: <laughs> i've seen it
2: i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> you know, it's weird that you 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 said you said uh you said tel aviv and i was i was thrown off for a second because i was like i didn't I, I read his wikipedia page pretty recently but i guess that's new there he uh Yep. What I remembered was that he was head coach of Puerto Rico. Yeah. uh, Where Daryl shore on with Daryl shore as an assistant for him. Yeah. Uh,
0: former small Small world. It really is. It really is. Um, yeah. So last year you played for Auckland city FC, Mm -hmm. um, and their, uh, QET street grounds, uh, can hold roughly the same amount of fans as breeze, about Mm 5,000. Um, is it a similar feel to Breeze Stevens or is the atmosphere totally different?
3: It's different. Um, definitely go to don't get as many fans. Yeah. The capacity might be similar, but the turnouts aren't the same. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say I've been super impressed with the environment at at Breeze this year. Um, I know it was kind of told coming in that it was probably the the best environment in the league. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Almost a, a full, full sellout. Um, every game and I guess you're yeah, coming back to Madison when I was here as, as a student for Madison didn't exist. Um, so it's pretty cool to, to be able to see what's been been developed in terms of the club and also like the, the engagement with the community and the fans in, in five years. So, um, you know, really grateful to be able to play a breeze in, in front of the fans. Um, yeah, unfortunately it wasn't quite the the same at Auckland city, great grounds, um, very historic kind of club in, in Auckland and some really like, Great people involved in the club, volunteers and and fans, um, but not the same not the same numbers.
0: Yeah. So you played like obviously QET. You played at QBE or North Harbor when you were at Wanderers, um, and the stadium light. I, I assume at least like you know a handful of games. Usually reserve yeah. teams play there, like at least a few games every season.
3: Yeah, definitely. But the stadium is usually pretty empty. So yeah. It's kind of a strange experience playing in like such a, a big stadium but but no one's there. Um, yeah,
2: we, we've we've uh, seen we've seen our fair share of that. Yeah. Forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean it was New England like- revolution playing in a completely empty yeah. stadium.
3: Yeah, I mean basically the same, but I was kinda gonna say like playing in the championship when the MLS two teams were still there, it was mm. a similar experience. You would go there and yeah, you could hear crickets. But uh yeah, nice stadium, I guess.
0: Yeah that that was one of the funny things too about, like, we talked with guys in the last last season of the MLS two teams being in, in USL 1 and a lot of the guys were like oh playing in Inter Miami's new stadium is incredible but it's so quiet you could like hear yeah. a pin drop yeah, um, yeah it was a strange experience so when you have been able to play in some of those bigger grounds i imagine at Wanderers like there were there were some larger uh crowds that would come in for some of those games do you enjoy playing in, in those bigger stadiums or do you prefer smaller stadiums for the atmosphere
3: uh i think if you're playing in a bigger stadium and it's sold out it, it's better for sure um i think as a player i mean personally i really enjoy like playing in front of a crowd i think the the energy helps kind of keep you you focused and, and motivated and um yeah, it just feels feels better it's more enjoyable but, yeah, like we've kind of mentioned, playing in a, in a bigger stadium, um, if it's it's pretty empty, it can be a kind of a strange experience. So I think that's where Breeze is great because, yeah, if it were a whole lot bigger, maybe it would be be half full. Um, but having a full stadium is, is awesome, uh, and the, the noise that it creates is, is great. So, yeah, it's kind of a bit of both, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a kind of – interesting dichotomy right like Mm -hmm. as a player you're there like you're partially doing a job but you're also you know and you're getting paid for it right Mm -hmm. but you're also partially doing it because like part of being a professional footballer is you play in front of crowds um has your i guess is there one you prefer over another of like obviously you're you're there to make a living but if you could have your cake and eat it too it would probably be with a full stadium every time but i mean do you think guys who are you know sort of maybe a few years younger than you think differently if they're playing for like a mls 2 team where they're you know playing mls next pro where the crowds really aren't necessarily there but are players in those positions generally just kind of like looking for their experience as a stepping stone or does it vary
3: yeah, I think everyone's different. Um, probably varies. Some people enjoy enjoy playing of a crowd in front of a crowd. Some people maybe don't like the the pressure that it brings. But um, ultimately, the higher up uh, you get, that's something that you have to deal with, and you have to be able to kind of um, shoulder that pressure. And yeah, I do think that for the most part, people enjoy playing in, a, in an atmosphere, and um, especially when the crowd's on your side, you like to think that they can kind of help you and and bring you energy and, and motivation. So. Um, yeah, everyone's everyone's different and is unique. So kind of really speak to, to my experience and my opinions. But, um, yeah, I think that for the most part, people would would agree with me. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, so throughout your college and club career, uh, you've also played for the New Zealand national team uh, at U20, U23, and received your first call-up mm-hmm. and appearance uh, for – South Korea and Oman uh, respectively in 2015 for the senior team. Um, how many caps do you have and do you aim to get more?
3: I have 12 caps. Um, I would love to get more and yeah, I guess we'll see what happens in the future. Um, I would have to, I think be playing at a level higher than, than I am currently. Um, USL league one to kind of be, be selected for the national team. So um, yeah, obviously you have to find, good club form and game time to kind of make that happen so yeah we'll, we'll see what happens in the future um, but I would say that playing for New Zealand has been kind of probably my proudest moment um, throughout my career and yeah something that is kind of like extremely extremely rewarding I guess representing your country so yeah something that I would love to do again in the future but uh, it's definitely no no easy feat um, so yeah we'll, we'll see what
0: happens cool yeah mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite memory playing for the all Whites?
3: Uh, my favorite memory would probably be my, my debut, which you mentioned. So it was back in, in 2015 in, in Oman. Um, we actually beat them 1-0. Um, yeah, I just guess walking onto the, the field the first time and, and hearing the national anthem and um, being able to play and, and put in a positive performance was was something really special. And I kind of been in and around the environment for a little bit before that happened. So um yet to finally get to be in the lineup was, was awesome. And, um, yeah, I guess that can never be taken away from me from that point. You know, I, I played for New Zealand, and that was something that it was, um, yeah, super special for me.
1: Did you say that that was in Oman?
3: Yeah, it was in Oman.
1: So then that's probably like your favorite away game experience as well then too, right?
3: Uh, yeah, I guess if you kind of call that an away game. Um, it's a little bit different with, with internationals when you're kind of traveling to – to right. Different countries, but I've been to some pretty weird and wonderful countries that I would have never been um, if it weren't for football. So yeah, that's part of the job that I I suppose I enjoy is the travel and uh, yeah, seeing new places and different cultures and, and meeting new people. So um, yeah.
0: Be- behind Oman, what are your like top three places that you've played for New Zealand?
3: Top three is in.
0: Like away games, like sort of not in New Zealand, but like, I mean, I know the Oman game, it it looked like when I was researching this, it was a a friendly, Yeah. um, but like it was still an away game because you're not playing in New Zealand. Yeah,
3: for sure. Um, I got to play once in New Zealand, which was was very special, obviously having kind of friends and family be there. Um, So that would be up there. And I actually also got to play in the States against the US men's national team we played in in DC at, at RFK Stadium. So that was pretty special as well. And then yeah, a lot of the football that I kind of played for them was in like the Pacific Islands, uh, probably some small countries. Not sure you've necessarily heard of them, but the confederation that New Zealand is called like the Oceania Football yeah. Confederation. Yeah. Yep. Trust like,
2: me, I will be able to. to Okay. In so every I, um, country yeah,
3: played in like uh, Papua New Guinea, Papua Solomon Papua. Islands, um, Fiji, some places like that.
1: Um, so you played in some beautiful locations then.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, some fairly obscure countries also, like uh, Uzbekistan, uh, Myanmar. Oh, wow. you're,
2: you're talking – see, you're talking you, – you say that this is obscure, and I'm just like – I was, like, waiting for, like, Palau and Mue or some stuff. Okay. Oh, you're,
3: you're, you're, you're showing off here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I
2: what
1: he does. Uh, I used that's what to, he does. It's why we I, have him on the show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fun fact! I actually qualified for the Illinois State National Geographic B finals. Uh, I was gonna say yeah. the, the, the <laughs> I know guy. a little bit. That, that, that's little cool. Bit. That's
3: cool. Really cool. Yeah, my geography is not great, but um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I learned. I had to learn my uh a little bit of my um <clears throat> Auckland. Geography earlier tonight when I was looking At Wanderers I was like where Uh, is that In Auckland Uh, was Uh, it in Auckland Because I know like look When when somebody gets a chance to play for Sort of like a hometown club being Their Mm. first like sort of top flight experience Like that had to be super cool And I know like That's an interesting idea Playing for Wanderers because they Were like uh, For one it's called Wanderers Special Club like I've never heard a club be called... it's
2: like being called Young Boys, uh, but like they had to, they had to they had to shoehorn in an SC just like Lexington, yeah. right? That's so, right? That's right. That's right. Sports uh,
0: Club. Yeah. Um. They should have called Lexington Equestrian Club. That would have been way more fun. True, uh, truthfully, yeah. But I guess like what was that? You know, referring back to a question like a little bit ago, but like you mentioned a little bit about being able to kind of play for a a largely U-20 team. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was it like though, being able to play like top flight football, like so close to home?
3: Yeah, it was awesome. And obviously kind of did the same thing when I was, was playing with Auckland city. Um, I guess, yeah, the benefit is that I can have my family and friends come out and watch. Obviously I'm a a long way from home at the moment. Um, So that's pretty cool. And then, Yeah, I guess playing with people who I have like really strong relationships with who have maybe grown up um, playing together, things like that, um, it does just kind of yeah make it more enjoyable in some ways. Um, You're playing with people who are are good friends at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned that it's a little harder for your family to to get up here. Mm -hmm. Are they not champing in the bit to come see the world-famous Ford Madison Football Club, though?
3: My old man's already been this year, so he he's been over, and Mom's actually drove over next month, so they uh, nice. yeah, they are they're they're excited to to come and um, yeah, mom's actually really uh, keen to get to a Badger football game. She's uh, oh, cool. she was devastated that we never well she never got to one when I was in college, so uh, she's coming for football season too. But we'll get it a breeze also.
0: Yeah, what does your dad think of the game?
3: Yeah, he enjoyed it. Um, definitely, it's quite a unique atmosphere at Breeze, obviously, with um, everything going on. I right. think it, he came to the game, also, do you know, um, I think when they dropped the the third kit? Oh,
0: yeah. Yep. Like, the third my, and my fourth. My parents was, read that game too, yeah. The Megalverse the kit? Two yeah.
3: kits and like, there was just so much going on. I was like, oh, you, you picked a good one. Um, so yeah, he, he enjoyed it, and you had a good time. So When uh, mom
1: comes, let me know um, if we need to get to get to a football game and get tickets for that. Let me know. All right, we'll do. Nice.
0: So, I mean, obviously, you're coming back to Madison, partially because you have history here, mm. partially because uh, they're they're paying you to play a sport that you love to play. Uh, but like, were there other sort of contributing factors that brought you back here, um, outside of just like this is a job and and you're here to like kind of wrap up your your degree?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously first and foremost to, to play for the club um like you say so they're getting paid to play to play footy and there's kind of no better better job in the world in, in my opinion um especially when when things are going good so yeah that was a kind of really exciting opportunity for me seeing what the, the club had built like it talked about breeze and the opportunity to be um be back in the u.s playing um yeah, i guess you touched on also the the opportunity to finish my degree and, and see things out um dub and yeah, my fiance is, is also American, so she was happy to have me back. And nice, uh, there was kind of a, a few different things there that kind of all contributed to make it a really yeah, good opportunity for me personally. And
1: um, yeah, so I'm sure that you had your favorite places in Madison when you were a student here, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure you have your favorite places now. How has that changed, or do you still have some of your favorite places? When you were first here and when you were when you are here now
3: yeah it's really cool actually kind of coming back to madison and seeing such a different side of the city obviously um as a student you're pretty much confined to campus i I had my bike but it didn't take me me too far um so yeah kind of lived out in in lakeshore and then yeah a little bit further a little bit closer to downtown um when i was in college and now live out on on the east side of madison not too far from from breeze so yeah i've kind of seen a whole different side of the city yeah. and learned yeah. there's much more to madison than just a, a university campus um so that's been really cool to kind of explore um yeah different parts of madison and yeah just have really enjoyed kind of um getting to know the city a bit better so no it's yeah still a still a great place and like we mentioned earlier kind of somewhere that would be be special to me i think yeah for my my whole life now but um definitely seen a different perspective on it uh, coming back
1: so now as you've been here like what are your what are your thoughts on the season so far?
3: On the season, um, yeah, I mean, I think obviously the the team is in a, a pretty good spot. I think we're sitting at fourth right now. Um, coming into the the year with a relatively new group, I think everyone would have wanted to make the playoffs, and I think we have every ability to do that. Um, obviously, with with ten games um, to go in the the regular season, there's no guarantee that that happens. So we've got to make sure that we. We get across the line and and I hopefully finish um closer to the the top rather than just just scraping there so i think we can can still compete for the the regular season as well and i think also bringing a a playoff game to breeze would be an amazing experience and i'm sure um, one that the the fans would be excited for so yeah it's been it's been good um i think we know that we can can be anyone on any any given day so um, with the way that u.s sports works um, obviously the playoffs are kind of, yeah, the the peaks. So um, I think we'll be confident going to that, and we just want to kind of find form and um, yeah, go into that in a good run of of form.
0: I guess, like in your opinion, like what do, what does the team need to do to push for a title this season?
3: I would say it probably comes down to consistency. I think, um, like I mentioned, we've we've beaten good teams with got the belief that we can be anyone on any given day but we've been a little bit up and down i would say in terms of being a little bit streaky um had some some patches where we've won a lot of games and had some other patches where we haven't had those those positive results so i would say it's just being consistent in both um training and then uh games kind of coming into the the crunch into the season
0: uh okay uh I, I don't have any more like football-related rec- questions. We just have a, a, a fun one or two and some arts-related question. But one that uh, I find interesting and a bit funny, uh, if someone made a film about your life, which actor or actress or thespian, I should say, would or should play you?
3: What was the last option?
0: Yeah, which? So yeah, which actor? Should actor, play? actress, or what
3: else? A That's, fes- has a to be being mean,
0: like
1: actor on stage or whatever. So can you define
0: so that? If for they me? made like a stage. Yeah, and best
1: being is someone who acts on the stage or someone like uh like, like a stage a actor or like a Broadway oh, like
3: theater or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A theater actor. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, I don't like this question. I'm not sure. Um. <laughs> not very good with actors, so. Yeah, I, I
0: don't know. Honestly, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Grant, who would play you?
1: Uh, <laughs> Mark Strong.
0: You can't so. just go with a cool, tough-looking bald guy. That is not. I mean, but I mean, it's. it's I
1: didn't mean, say the <laughs> Rock. All right, what's, what's that? Or uh, all right, Telly Savalas. How about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mitch, how about you? I don't know if my, if Michael Sarah could straighten out his hair, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I get asked
0: regularly, specifically by cashiers at grocery stores. It's only ever happened there, but I, people ask, tell me all the time that I look like Chris Pine, um, which I don't quite understand, but uh, I'll have whatever drugs they're taking that make them think that I look like Chris Pine. Um, <clears throat> All right. So we could do a quick roundup of, we, we, Sam, we asked this of a lot of our guests. Um, what sort of arts, uh, that, that could be film, that could be television, it could be music, it could be art, it could be books, but what are you enjoying lately?
3: Um, what am I enjoying? I would say on probably more of a TV show's guy rather than a, a movies guy although I am going to see Oppenheimer tomorrow which I'm, I'm excited about um, but yeah really enjoyed the quarterback series on on Netflix recently that was good I think mentioned um, in going to like the Badgers games later in the fall and um, American football is something that I'm tr- still trying to trying to understand and get my head around so I thought there was some pretty cool insights into into that world and um, you're yeah, kind of excited to to trying to keep understanding that sport because it's uh it's no mean feat
2: yeah who are the who are the guys that they they like previewed i i i, I heard about it It was like mahomes yeah they did mahomes I, uh, cousins and mariota yeah that's her right cousins yep. was the
3: other, yeah. right yeah
0: so sam did i see real quick aside did i see that you played with uh carl schneider at uw
3: yep yeah carl and i um Cross yeah, paths Ryan. he would as a senior when I was a freshman, so not for long, okay. but um, yeah, yeah, no, he's had some time at Ford as well, so yeah, we did cross paths at, at UW.
0: And he played for Des Moines the year before you did,
3: uh, quite possibly, yeah. Our coach, I think he did. Uh, coach of Wisconsin, was, um, yeah, in habit of sending players to Des Moines.
0: It's yeah, kind like, of funny but, to me because, like, yeah. he played at Des Moines in 2015, you played there in 2016, and then J- JP John Pascarella coached there in 2017. Yeah, no, football I, 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 is football a small, football. small world. Yeah, I Sam.
1: World. Sam, were you were you Trasky? Did you play under Trask?
0: Yep. Yeah, JT.
1: Okay. All right.
0: I've never seen a, someone smoke a cigarette faster than John Trask. That is a fact.
1: The guy, it, it's amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's a talent.
3: <laughs> yeah, I do have to say that when he started. Well, I guess when I came to UW and um, we'd have like a halftime team talk or something and he'd go off into the, into the bushes at first. So I was a little confused about, about what he was doing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I learned, learned pretty quickly that he was uh, he was calming the nerves at halftime.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, that is.
3: Method, so,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, Grant, Mitch, what are you guys into as far as the arts?
1: Um, It's nothing new for me. It's just. A revisitation okay um, been listening to a lot of Charday oh yeah so, I mean in particular I've been listening to um, the stronger than love album, so um i I didn't re- remember how good that album is and how much that doom, <laughs> that doom sampled that album in oh, particular yeah. um yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of Charday lately. So, I mean, she's the queen. What do you expect? So,
0: I'm still looking for Soldier of Love on, on wax. It's like impossible to find. It's,
1: I don't, yeah, that's a holy grail, I think. So,
0: like, I've only ever seen it sold in that uh, career retrospective collection. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not paying $200 just to get one record. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Maybe um, something. Not yeah. Meant. I I know you've been digging on that that uh, Jungle Volcano record.
1: Yeah, dude. Like that's that's another one I wanted to mention. Um, the Jungle Volcano record is it's a no skip. It's a no skip record. It's, I mean, I don't know if you know our listening our listeners know about Jungle, but I'm hoping they do. It's a uh, they're a neo soul band out of the the UK. Just this is their fourth album, and they just they continue to just bring it every single album. Yep. So um, just great stuff. Looking forward to seeing them in September at the Sylvie. Oh, yeah. um, we'll be dancing.
0: We we'll will be, be dancing. dancing. Uh, I've been revisiting um, the mirror conspiracy, thievery corporation. Cause I finally a great found it on wax. One of my favorite yeah. songs. Yeah. Finally found it on wax. Uh, I can't say like, I, I will be that, that sort of like, uh old millennial that says that garden the garden state soundtrack turned them on to a lot of new (laughs) uh musical artists but they it absolutely did um but that's the first place i i heard lebanese blonde that whole album though is another sort of no skipper if you can find that on vinyl it is you gotta buy it immediately it was only 26 bucks at strictly so yeah yeah i found
1: it in a uh like literally a hole-in-the-wall place up in Minneapolis one time. And just like you, I mean, I saw it, and I'm like, I gotta buy this.
0: Yoink, so. that's the word. Yep. Yeah. How
2: about you, Mitch? Uh, reviewing the FIFA laws of the game because the refs won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, a little light bedtime uh, reading. Yeah, just the oh, it's a light time reading,
1: time. you know? the light reading to put you to sleep, like JP was saying last yeah. week.
2: yeah. Yeah, apparently I put the refs to sleep. Uh, no, I, uh, um, this week I've legitimately not really been doing too too much in terms of literally anything new. Um, there is a new episode of uh, the history of the Minnesota Vikings tonight, uh, Secret Base, another John Boy's Alex Rubenstein classic uh, in the making. Um, same guys who did history of the Seattle Mariners, uh, history of Which is um, The Atlanta yeah. Falcons, um, all the other stuff that John Boyce is in, an incredible storyteller. Um, and I am not a Vikings fan. Um, I am a Bears fan. You guys are Packers fan, but the the, a, way it, the way that they only by
0: birth, only by birth. Yeah,
2: I'm Mitch. not. I'm not a Packers fan. So. <laughs> but for for even for me a bears fan a guy who does not like the vikings um it's an incredibly uh incredibly engaging uh story uh part three is releasing tonight it may in fact tonight being tuesday uh it may in fact already have started um started uh or been released here um so that's probably what i'm going to be doing tonight um so part three of seven out tonight so um, yeah, other than that, not really too much.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, so want to thank Sam again uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, we got to do a quick preview of the next match. It's Tormenta. Uh, we have a, a, a rematch against... I mean, they, they, they kind of beat us down last time they played us at, at Breeze. We've been playing incredibly well defensively on the road, especially. What are you guys' predictions for this this away game at Tormenta on Saturday? Uh, score line, scores, all that fun stuff.
1: I mean, to quote the the great Steve Zizu, "Revenge." That's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's our purpose is revenge. Um, I'm going to say 3-1 Madison. Scores are one by Bartman, one by Onan, and one by Cheney.
0: I like that. Uh, maybe we'll see the rare Sam Brotherton goal. Uh, doesn't happen perhaps. that often, but it's pretty magic when it does. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah,
3: perhaps. That would be awesome. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I think I think, you, like you guys mentioned, we definitely own one after uh, what they did last time out of Breeze. But uh, we had a positive result there earlier in the season, so I think. Um, I was there. Literally, yeah, you were. Zemo had a
2: great. That was, I think that was Zemo's first goal of the season.
3: Yeah, I think that was uh, the start of uh, Zemo heating up. Yep, yeah, it was.
0: Uh, I will say this: we need to, someone needs to stop I Sterling. Just
2: he did not to. play. He did not play lot. Oh, I know. That. Oh, he didn't play on Saturday, neither uh saving he a immediately started on yeah. the bench. Um, but they've been they've been kind of they've been kind of skidding. They've had three uh three of their last four, they've lost three to two. Um so they uh they can score uh but they can't keep the ball out of their net. So mm-hmm. I, I think it'll probably be a little bit high scoring. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna go actually co sign Grant's uh uh at- I guess prediction, I would say three to one would be very nice and a, and a good exacting of that revenge. Um, I'm going to say potential two one, but I would love to see a
2: three, one scoreline. How about you, Mitch? Um, yeah, that'd be great to see. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna think about the scoreline. I'm just gonna, I'm looking at the stats for, uh, For the referee that we've got, Uh, (laughs) Joe Sergan is this guy's name. And uh, in his last six games as a uh, as a head official, he has given out three yellows, four yellows, five yellows and a straight red, seven yellows and a double yellow, eight yellows and a straight red and four yellows and a double yellow. So I think uh, I think it might be an interesting one. I think it might be an interesting one. Just like Mm. every other game we have, it seems like.
0: So. Hmm. Hmm. I mean refs the world over generally do issue 4.42 yellow cards per game. So, if the averages work out, maybe we'll have a good one. <laughs> well, I can hope. <laughs> maybe. <can> oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will tell uh, we will be at the forward club for the watch party. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, sure. It should it should be a good
2: one. By the I, way, if you, I don't I don't know if I will be. I don't think I will. But Andrew and I will. A, yeah, yeah,
0: we'll be there uh, with Michael Sarah with straight hair,
2: uh, <laughs> which is like you motherfuckers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mark Strong I, I just and just uh, did Chris Pine will be there as well. Brown Michael Sarah, brown haired <laughs> Michael Sarah from from Barbie movie. Alan, was, was that? Was his character's name Alan? Yeah, just I get just know. get Alan, but make make him make him fishwater blonde instead of straight blonde love it love it
0: um well let's hope these these predicted score lines stand again uh, we've had we had Sam Brotherton of of the East End Brothertons uh joining us tonight Um uh, Thank you again,
1: he's dead, brothers.
0: Yeah, thank you again for joining us and putting up with our bullshit and our complaining about referees. Well, we we do it far too often recently. Hopefully that changes. Um, you know, I hear uh, you complain a lot less about referees once you have a star above your crest. That's that's all I hear. Uh, yeah, we go a long way. Anyway, uh, thank you again, Sam, for joining us. Um, and here's the three points on the weekend and uh, as grant always says
1: be easy everybody
0: we'll see y'all next time